I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Base Layer. Buckle up. I mean that literally. I have Andy Tatham, the co-founder of Demo with me today. Andy, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. And I literally said buckle up because we're going to be talking about cars and we're going to be talking about all the things that are happening in Deep and everything that you guys at Demo are doing. I'm really excited about this. As you see, Andy, uh, we'll also be showing you, this is a live product. And for those that are watching, this is a live product. And so as Andy also sees there too, you'll be able to watch it. This is something that is out there that people are using. I also have it on my phone and we'll talk more about that later too. Before we get into all these really cool things, and again, this is one of the, and I say this obviously because I, I believe in it, it's one of the coolest projects I've seen in my time in crypto. Before we get into that, what I really love to do is, Andy, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your past, and what inspired you and your co-founder to build Demo. Yeah. So I've spent about 10 years in the mobility space. I started my career at Startup, which was an early mobility as a service startup. We were trying to build and, and did build actually a, a subscription service that gave you access to electric vehicles, bike sharing, ride hailing uh, back in 2012 when all of those things were very, very new. So I got exposed to building Tesla superchargers and um, looking at a lot of the technologies that were coming down, you know, even kind of like pre the autonomous vehicle hype and got very excited about the future of transportation and went to go work for a company called Transdev, which basically the exact opposite. It was a big industrial company, runs bus and rail systems, and built a business there that was very focused on helping autonomous vehicle companies scale up their operations from being science projects to real pieces of mobility infrastructure. And that gave me a very early look into a lot of the problems that connected and autonomous vehicles had in getting people to trust them, basically, and, and distributing that trust around a system that um, can actually you know, support those vehicles in the real world. And that means you know, sharing data with insurance companies, with regulators, with you know, fleet operators, and then most importantly, the person inside the vehicle. And mm -hmm. so when we set out to start Demo, it was actually a, a company very focused. And, and the initial solution we were building was helping different types of autonomous vehicles share data with a common uh, dispatch and like coordination layer that would help them achieve things like you know, parking or you know, rebalancing or maintenance operations. And that led us to the point where we started to integrate with a lot of the connected vehicle platforms from different automakers and realized that there was a real opportunity in, in just creating kind of like a common language and sense of shared state between those vehicles. And, and we also were very involved with mining Helium at an early stage. So we got mm -hmm. introduced to the concept of building user-owned IoT networks. And we combined those two into what became Demo today and released our first hardware product, uh, which was called the AutoPi. We built it in collaboration with, with a company that already had this you know, connected vehicle um, hardware device in the market. And we released that about uh, 18 months ago, um, two years ago at this point, and have since been 
building the network. Um, we've also created solutions for people like yourself with it. With a Tesla, you can log in and start using Demo without a hardware product at all. Right. So the guarantee, yeah, we can we can get into you know the the product itself. And, yeah, and we're gonna get into we're gonna get into all that cool stuff. And Andy and I were talking about this before. And yes, I do have a Tesla. You know, way to dox me on the car. <laughs> Sorry, about um, yeah, yeah. No, that's I mean I, I think it's one of the one of the coolest cars you can you can buy. It so is. I know people it have is. different opinions on. on and and if Elon if Elon ever listens to it, this is my second one. So you know we are we, we do love our Teslas here. Um, Model Y was the most popular vehicle in the world last year. And it happens to be a Model Y. <laughs> And so, as I was alluding to, there is a newer sector within the world of digital assets and blockchains that we are all calling DPIN because we like to call these things weird names. And DPIN effectively stands for Decentralized Physical Infrastructure Networks. Uh, these are protocols that build, maintain, and operate infrastructure in the physical world in an open and decentralized manner. Uh, many of the times, obviously, they use a digital asset to incentivize building of real-world infrastructure. And so this is one of the things, as I said again, that has become a very big use case within the world of digital assets. It's a really emergent trend. Andy alluded to one of the companies in the space called Helium that's been around for a better part of the last few years uh, and has become very integral uh, in the DY subsector of DPEN, that is a decentralized wireless part of that. And so what's really interesting for our listeners is that for the last few weeks, we've been focusing on the L1s and L2s of the world, the polygons, the Solanas, the avalanches, et cetera. And we're now going to be shifting to gears into what is actually being built on top of these networks of these blockchains. And Demo is obviously right there in front of that and why we're really excited about it. Now, Andy, you alluded to, you know, kind of, you know, what Demo was started by, but the mission is, you know, effectively from what you guys put out there is technology should be empowering rather than confusing or limiting. Apps and connected devices should serve people first instead of corporations and developers should be empowered to build useful tools in the real world. Uh, again, we'll put uh, show notes for everyone so they can listen and they can find out, uh, out more about what you guys have been building there. And so... What I'd love you to kind of you know get your opinion on is in the world of DPEN that has started to really, as I say, kind of arrive over the last few the last few months, the last year or so, give or take. You know, how does Demo play? You know, versus you know, as I said, like a helium. How did you guys figure out, or how did you really think about you know using the car and using the driving and using the network and the data that is derived from all of those activities and driving and kind of taking care of your cars? How did that become a real catalyst for building this? Yeah, so the, when you're thinking about deep in networks, especially as an investor or somebody trying to understand the space, I mean, just from my perspective, I I think even the the L1, everything is a deep end when it comes down to it. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like all of the Ethereum transactions are being cleared on a physical computer somewhere that's attached to a decentralized network. And the physical reality of that has kind of been abstracted away from you as a user. And this whole you know, category of deep ends, I think, is, is really likely to, um, you know, kind of just be like the application layer of crypto and mm -hmm. The fact that you're storing data and creating identities for devices and vehicles and putting those on a blockchain is really just the, the best solution for how to maintain the state of a, a larger system. And so right. in the case of Helium, that's, you know, you're maintaining the state of a wireless network. In the case of Demo, you're maintaining the state of a network of connected vehicles. And yeah. we've built Demo as a general purpose IoT protocol. It just so happens that cars are like by far the biggest category of IoT device. Right. So the automotive industry is five times bigger than all of consumer electronics combined. And 
cars are basically a consumer electronics device now. Right. And so it's a really great place to start and to bootstrap a network that becomes really meaningful for application developers. So mm -hmm. if you're somebody that wants to create a smart insurance product or a better way to deliver maintenance services or sell tires or fleet, manage a fleet of vehicles, your options today are you can go integrate with all of the automakers connected vehicle platforms like Tesla, GM, and Ford, but they don't have all of their cars connected to the internet. So then you need to make a hardware device that you can use to connect all the other you know, vehicles. And we've already done that. And we've already convinced yep. 40,000 people to connect their cars. And so as a developer, we have a very compelling value proposition in that we have a protocol which standardizes all the data from those vehicles and mm -hmm. verifies it. So you know it's real good data. And we have users that already have their vehicles online that you can sell services to or get to use your app right out of the box. So you can right. write some code and deploy something on the network and it becomes accessible to people. And the nice thing about building all of this on a blockchain and creating a decentralized network is that there's a lot more trust encoded into the foundation. And as a developer, you're not having to go ask for permission to do things. You're just trying to compete on the merits of a product. And so, so let's, talk, rather let's, than, talk, let's yeah. talk about that. I want to dig into that. That I want to really dig into this. So one of the things, you know, we've been following Demo for the last two years with our firm. You know, one of the things that we've been really interested in is that this idea of there's terabytes and petabytes of data. Data is all around us. But yeah. the quality of data, you know, whether it's human or AI, whether you're trying to obviously fluff data now from the financial perspectives, you know, obviously we saw Lehman and Bear back in, you know, the later parts of 2008 and 2009. Data can be obviously misrepresented. And GM. And GM. It can be misrepresented. It can be obviously obfuscated. With what Andy is saying is that, you know, with things being on a chain, on, you know, an immutable source of truth, if you will, you know, what they have the ability to do. And so for people that are going to test this out, and I will, as I said again, we'll make sure that people have the ability to test it out. You can actually start using this. You will see that the data that you can start to pull, like, as I said, I have an EV, I have a Tesla. You'll start to see the health of the car. You'll start to see mileage. You'll start to see, you know, value actually is something that you can also now see too. You can see kind of what the value of your car is right now. But again, for those that may not have EVs that might have oil that need to be changed, that might need to have tires that need to be fixed, all of this is getting into you immediately in real time, and it's also being put on blockchain. So it's a source of truth. Well, the the telematics. So it's important to it's an important distinction that we we look at Demo as a way to help you collect your own data, right. and part of that is anchoring it to a blockchain. So your vehicle, kind of like you can think of it like. The Department of Motor Vehicles. When you register your vehicle, you get a title and you know the registration, and that's essentially like even a, a more private version of that is what we put on chain. So it basically mm -hmm. proves like this car, not even with the, down to the VIN number, but it is uniqueness is enforced on the VIN number. This car was added at this time, and yep. if you want the data from this car, you have to ask this user for it. And then all of your location data and your tire data is stored off-chain in a database that you control as the user. And that gives developers the ability to have a higher degree of trust because they can see, okay, this person really added the vehicle at this point in time. They've right. been receiving rewards for the network, so they're providing data, but it doesn't dox your location in real time on the blockchain. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, I think one of the things I was just kind of thinking through is that, you know, when I, you know, you watch TV and you always see that commercial with the person who's sitting on a bench and then they're poof and then like their father-in-law, you know, pops up and it's a, it's a car fox, you know, kind of, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, here's two cars and, you know, who do you trust? Do you trust your father-in-law, your, your best friend, you know, circus clown, whatever the hell it may be? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a, you know, you see one of the cars that's crumbled and it's obviously not the car that they said to trust. And so I've always been, you know, thinking that the way that this thing gets bigger, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, is that, again, you alluded to, you already, you know, the data is ours, the data is the users. But at the end of the day, it's always hard, especially if you look at the secondary market, you look at used cars, it's always hard to say, okay, what is really true here? You know, is this is this record of this car never being an accident really true? Or, yeah. you know, but this gives us even better insight now. And it gives us the users and it gives us all of us the ability to actually implement a better source of truth. And I'm just yeah. curious. A general, a general rule of thumb and mental model that you can use for any automotive services market is that the more data you bring to a transaction the better price you're going to get in a lot of cases. So with insurance, like you see all these insurance dongles that they, you know, 20 million of them distributed to people to plug into their car. And, you know, the the problem with those is that you end up sharing too much data with your insurance company. People don't like that. And, you know, really what they need is like, you know, do you park your car where you say you park it? And do you drive the number of miles that you say you drive? And if you can provide those two points of data to the insurance company, they'll typically give you a much better rate because you're, informing their, you know, underwriting model more effectively. And, and the same goes for, you know, scheduling maintenance, if you can show up and you know what error code is popping on your car, so your check engine light is coming on, you can get a more uh, accurate quote for services Mm -hmm. and skip the $200 diagnostic fee. And if you show up to a used car transaction with the, you know, all of the receipts from maintenance, and you know, the driving history of your vehicle, you'll get a better price for the car, because they'll have more certainty about and that's not always true, but directionally it is. Right. And there's a, a real value. You know, I think one thing that trips up a lot of people when they're thinking about Demo as like a data collection network, like we really view that as the first step. And then mm-hmm. the second step is make the data actually useful for people right. by getting developers and businesses to consume it and then provide you something back. And that's when it becomes really valuable because you're moving from just selling data, which is fine. That's a business that people do, but it's not that interesting to helping a business acquire a new customer more effectively. And like mm-hmm. that's when you can get into really big numbers and, and very exciting experiences for a consumer because nobody likes typing their VIN number into a form on a website and like, no. you know, having to give up you know, a bunch of um, personal information in order no. to get a quote for something. And, right, and so exactly. those are the kind of things that, that we're thinking about in terms of like, we have this data asset that we've created. Now, how can we actually make it useful for the users that have, have built it up? Right. So as I said, I bought this. Demo did not send this to me. I bought this by myself. So anyone who's watching this, I bought this by myself. And then the idea is that you then put this into your automobile. Now, as, as Andy alluded to, some of the cars that already have a lot of those, you know, kind of enhanced connections like a Tesla, it kind of works right off the bat. You download the app in your app store if it's iOS or Android. Um, Most cars you, made in the last three years that have an active subscription, you can just log in kind of like right. Plaid with your bank account into our right. mobile app. And then and, you're collecting your own copy of your vehicle data. Right. And so just walking through my journey in the last few weeks, you, you know, and by the way, anyone who listens to this, I hope that you actually do try these things out because they are starting to be quite fun. 
Um, and so you set it up in a few minutes and then all of a sudden you, you're off to the races. And so as Andy alluded to, you picks up a VIN, you have, you know, effectively kind of like an NFT of your car. It's cool. It's fun. It's kind of gamified. And that's the thing too, that also I noticed about this is that it's a gamified type of an approach to a lot of the activity that we do on a day in day basis. Was that one of the other aspects of building this is making kind of fun and gamified and also having a marketplace in, embedded? Yeah. So the the point system, I mean, the way it works generally is you connect your car and today you earn some tokens, which are used to both govern the network and also as a utility for, uh, you have to you know, essentially pay in the token to create new devices. And eventually right. there'll be other use cases around accessing data and creating kind of like a user-owned version of the Apple App Store for cars is right. one of the ways to think about it. And so the early users of the network of which, you know, there's about 40,000 cars connected today are able to earn some of the token simply for just staying connected and agreeing to share their data into the aggregated data pool. And that helps the core development team of which you know, the company I've started is, is one piece of now. It helps us improve the network and improve support for all the other vehicles. And also, we're starting to create aggregated data products with that information that people are sharing. And so we have paying customers today at a relatively small scale that are doing things like looking at um, the weather across the country or looking at the quality of cell network performance as the vehicles are driving around in different areas every day. And so those are some of the very early use cases where without giving up any like personally identifiable information from users, we can stream aggregated data sets to people who are actually using it to, to create some useful service in the real world. You picked up on the marketplace that's live in the mobile app today and is a very early version of what is going to be kind of like the default place that you will want to go when you have some sort of issue with your car. Um, people are also building fun things like games. There's an app that you can use to offset the carbon from your driving mm -hmm. and a lot more stuff that's, that's being developed to be able to essentially like solve any kind of vehicle related problem with better data and get users a better price. You can think of it kind of like a more data-driven version of like a AAA or right. you know, an auto club. Right. And that's, you know, these are some of the biggest markets in, in the world. Like, you know, AAA has like, you know, 16 billion in an annual recurring revenue just from like subscriptions and you know, people wow. paying for roadside assistance. And like a lot of that is a bundle of services that also includes like automotive financing and insurance and, and all that. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at that as, you know, really like the long-term way that the network becomes sustainable and there's a nice flywheel effect of like more users joining the network makes it more appealing for developers to build apps because they have more people that can use it right out of the box. Right. And then more apps makes it more likely that users are going to want to join. And, you know, we just are kind of pushing that around by helping people build stuff on, on the network. And so, yep. yeah, you'll, you'll start to see some games pop up that you can play and participate in if that's interesting to you. And then there's a whole other category of use cases, which is about half of um, the new vehicles added to the network today, which is just fleets. So like people managing you know, rental cars, small business mm -hmm. fleets are, are starting to onboard large numbers of vehicles to the network. And um, that's a you know, totally different use case, but but very similar set of tools that that we're using there. Yeah, I'd say, you know, as I said, the the user experience is fun and enjoyable. I want people to understand, though, is that, you know, obviously there are components of digital assets and crypto here. So the user journey, just very quickly, let's just make sure everyone is aware of it, because obviously when they listen to this, they will probably go to your website and how they try to download the app. So when they do, they will be prompted, you know, most likely, you know, to have some sort of interaction with Polygon uh, as the source blockchain. So walk, you know, people through it. 
just so when they are, you know, kind of going through this now, again, there are videos, you know, for setup. Again, there's documentation. We'll make sure everyone knows that. But just so, you know, again, that beginning user journey, they will have to have some integration, some kind of, kind of, you know, contact with Polygon in terms of the Polygon blockchain. Why was Polygon chosen here? And then, as I said, again, just walk people very briefly through the user experience when they set up. Sure. And we have tried to take the approach of minimizing the amount of knowledge that somebody has to have about crypto in order to use the product. And I think that likely comes through when, you know, in your onboarding experience, you can show up with your own wallet in MetaMask or Rainbow and use that to kind of like self-custody your your tokens and and the identity mm-hmm. of your car, which is an NFT. And but you don't have to. We have an in-app wallet that is there. We use Web3 off for that. And and um the the block space that we have all of the vehicle identities and we issue the rewards on is Polygon. And we use their proof of stake chain. The the token is actually the demo token is actually originally minted on Ethereum and we bridged it over to Polygon because there's cheaper fees and it has basically the same level of support for different wallets and exchanges and other tools that are available to the to the network. And mm-hmm. so that that's something that was very valuable to us. And, and also like we've built a relationship with the Polygon team around their long-term scaling solutions and are thinking about what the next generation of the demo blockchain is going to look like and like the mm-hmm. demo network as a whole. Um, and so yeah, it's it's a, a really um, you know kind of dynamic space <laughs> right now as far as thinking about where how to build like the ideal network and protocol for any IoT device and application. And that's really like our, you know, five-year vision for this is we're starting with cars, most addressable market. There's a lot of really awesome benefits to that. And there's this longer term view that someone is going to figure out the right scaling solution for blockchains. We think there's a lot of network effects around the Ethereum virtual machine and a lot of developer tooling that's been built up there that makes it very likely that this is kind of like you know the way that that these networks will be programmed in the future and people will write smart contracts and, and tools and wallets um, to support all that. And yeah. at this stage, you know, we're kind of happily located on the Polygon proof of stake chain. We know that that's not the long-term home of, of the demo network. And at this point, we're really in this like kind of research mode to try out everything that's out there. Um, for next generation scaling solutions, whether that's the the optimism stack and, and base or you know polygon and their zk rollups and the aggregation layer that they're you know just announcing mm-hmm. and, and all that and, and inter- other interesting things like you know linea and um you know some of the other EVM compatible scaling solutions and next generation blockchains that are starting to come out. And so um yeah we, we view the choice of blockchain kind of as like the choice of cloud provider. Um, yep. There's obviously some other benefits that come with it because you get you know, with with EVM, you get things like splitter contracts and Gnosis safe, uh, you know, um, and, and account abstraction features mm-hmm. that are going to be slower to roll out to other networks. And there's also just deeper liquidity and things that users care about and, and you know, better DeFi. And I think a lot of those things are going to be increasingly important as you think about how to, you know, set up one of these projects long term. And, and, you know, we pride ourselves in being very long term oriented and like short term pragmatics. So like, we're not just going to jump into the next, you know, trend and say, Oh, we're moving everything over here, because that's what everybody's excited about right now. Like, we're really trying to build networks that can be like a consensus layer for physical reality. And we understand that that's going to take a long time to do. And like, you know, we have enough stuff to build right now, outside of the kind of like immediate, um, you know, block space 
question. Right. So, so that's that's generally what we're focused on. And I have to say, as we're wrapping up here, as I said, you know, we we spent the last few months, you know, kind of talking to L1s and L2s, and you know, obviously putting them on here. What we've seen is, you know, when I started the show five and a half years ago, back in 2018, a lot of this was theoretical. You know, we talked to Anatoly when he was building Solana. We talked to Ilya when he was building Nier. We talked to all these folks that were building all of these L1s and L2s at that time, and it was all theoretical. Um, and we people were starting to talk about dApps, decentralized applications. Uh, but, you know, there really wasn't anything too exciting back then. And also the onboarding process for that was not good, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. It's and, still not good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, let's, let's not sugarcoat it. Yeah. It's, we, we've tried to make it, we, we've spent over the last two years an unbelievable amount of time trying to make the wallet and like mm -hmm. on-chain interaction experience feel great. Yep. And it's not there on Solana. It's not there on Polygon. It's not there on Ethereum. And we think we have a lot of conviction that this will get back. And yeah. this is something where the users of the network today have been forced to put up with, in some cases, a lot of you know very difficult onboarding situations. We've tried to make it as easy as possible, but like yeah. we, you know, at this point, feel pretty confident that those those problems are going to be solved. And then we'll have something that is very difficult to replicate in any other way. Like a single automaker is not going to be able to go and create what we've created because the you know one of the things we like to say is like blockchain is the worst solution for building. An IoT network, except for all the other ones, and all the other ones are basically, you know, trust Google or trust Ford or trust GM, and like, you know, they won't get hacked or or right. you know, uh, create this honeypot of personal data that gets leaked somewhere. And so, you know, I, I think there's it's one of those situations where like you, you see this a lot in technology where the new thing is super clunky and it has one flaw that you can you know mitigate over time, and that causes people in the mainstream to kind of ignore it for mm -hmm. a period of time until it's too late. And like we think that that's basically what's happening here in you know the IoT world, and certainly with connected cars. And so, yeah, hopefully we're sitting here in a couple of years talking about how how funny it was when we all had to uh, deal with these clunky wallet experiences to onboard ourselves into a new crypto product. I agree, and just sort of people. So again, you know, as we're wrapping, I want people to understand though. While Andy is obviously you know a very you know proud and esteemed founder. Someone who's seen this for the last seven plus years, you know, where you guys are today and what you've put out today is pretty damn good to where we used to be in the past. And so sure. it is an yeah. enjoy it is an enjoyable experience. I will give you that. Of course, there's obviously much more to do to make it less frictional uh, and to make it much easier for the onboarding process. But what you've developed so far has actually been really phenomenal. Uh, I was able to get on to it in a few minutes. Obviously, I am I've a little bit more, you know, kind of in the weeds than other people that are listening right now, but it's not bad. It's easy. You can go to the app, you can download the app, you can get one of these. And that's the other thing too, um, for those that are listening, if you order one of these and you want to actually start using it, you know, it comes pretty quick. It, it took a few weeks because obviously there's a supply chain. But a little backlog came, right now. Yeah, that was, uh, it, we're, it, we're working on getting some more, uh, more hardware it, devices it, online. It, it, it worked. If it you came. have a Tesla or a newer vehicle, you can start right away, which yeah. is nice. And it came and, you know, it, it's here and it took a few weeks, but it's, it's again, we're shipping in, in crypto and, you know, things are shipping. And so, again, I highly recommend everyone checking it out. We'll make sure that it's in the show notes. Andy, thank you so much for coming on and talking all about Demo, about everything that you've been trying to build there. And yes, we will definitely have you on shortly to see how things are progressing. 
Excellent. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.